0: Welcome to Precision Medicine Forum podcast, chatting with patients, healthcare, industry and research professionals about creating personalized medicines for each and every one of us. Together, we head to the holy grail, mainstream precision medicine. Here's your host, Scott Buckler.
1: Good afternoon ladies and gentlemen and welcome to our Precision Medicine Forum podcast and I'm delighted this week to be joined by Dr. Anthony Khawaja who is going to be speaking to us about the role of precision medicine in ophthalmology following a recent article that appeared in the Ophthalmology Times Europe earlier this month around precision management management in glaucoma. And it's something that jumped out to myself doing research for upcoming podcasts on precision medicine. And Dr. Quadra caught my attention with this fantastic article. And it brought me to thinking about precision medicine in ophthalmology, uh, something we've not explored to date with the podcast series. So uh, I'm joined by Anthony today. And first of all, Anthony, I just wanted to ask you a little bit more about uh, the role of precision in uh, ophthalmology. How did you become interested in that as a, a glaucoma specialist? How did it catch your attention?
0: Glaucoma is one of the commonest causes of blindness you know, in the UK and, and globally. Uh, in fact, you know, globally, it's the commonest cause of blindness that you can't repair. So once someone's become blind or lost vision from glaucoma, they can't win it back. Um, And so the, the key really is detecting it early. Now, detecting it early is difficult because when people first have glaucoma, they don't have any symptoms. And the tests that we've got tend to not be that reliable in the early stages of glaucoma. So it's a real challenge. My research started, you know, trying to find out what are the causes of glaucoma? What are the factors that might mean people are at higher risk of glaucoma? so that in the future we can detect it sooner and earlier. It's really through that that, that, that I've realised over time and that, you know, me and other researchers around the world, the major cause for glaucoma is genetics. It's in our genetic code. It's actually, glaucoma is one of the most heritable of the common human diseases. And so now that we've started to make all those discoveries, so we understand more of the complex genetic causes of glaucoma, we can use that information collectively to better understand who in a general population is going to have glaucoma uh, is at high risk of getting it and much higher risk than others who who are at much lower risk. So so you can start the precision, the, the personalizing even at that population level, because at the moment if you try and screen everybody in a country You identify too many people who don't actually have glaucoma or or aren't at risk of blindness, whereas if you can target people at higher risk just on the basis of their genetic code, then we believe that will be cost-effective. Now also better understanding those causes means we can, you know, not, not all glaucoma is the same and, and we can identify by people's genetic code different types of glaucoma, which, uh, which require treatment, uh, differently, if, 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 if you like. So, 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 that's the angle I, I came in. It wasn't starting off saying, Oh, we, we need to be more precise, which, which we do, by the way, but it was more, as I've better understood the causes of glaucoma together with the glaucoma research community we've realized there's these huge opportunities for us to better manage the condition and reduce blindness and and also just reduce side effects and and other problems from our treatments
1: yeah tell us a little bit about the uh, I believe it's called the UK glaucoma treatment study have you been
0: involved with that not directly although we are you know i i am involved now because we we've done genetic testing on on many of the participants in that study so we're going to be bringing in um the the, the genetic element but but that study was a, a really important one and wasn't anything to do with genetics at first it was just trying to prove That treatment in glaucoma works. It it was something that we didn't have the highest level of proof of until until this study came out. Um, And what what it did is it got you know it it recruited patients who had diagnosed glaucoma, uh, newly diagnosed glaucoma, and randomly allocated them to either receive treatment in an eye drop. A drop called latanoprost which lowers the eye pressure compared to a placebo so an eye drop that didn't have that medicine in to lower the eye pressure and followed these people up over two years to see is there a difference and actually does lowering the eye pressure with this latanoprost mean less people are are going to get worse and that is what it showed actually if you lower the eye pressure um, using this drop, then uh, you halve the risk of glaucoma getting worse over two years. So it was a really important study. But what's interesting is, even the people that just received the placebo, so people who didn't receive any medicine at all, over that two-year period, uh, you know, three-quarters of people didn't measurably get worse. Now, if you'd waited longer, maybe four or five years, maybe more of those people who weren't treated would have got worse. But still, that's quite a high number that didn't get worse. And what that might mean is that a significant proportion of people that would meet our diagnostic criteria for glaucoma, as in you know, doctors all around the world would say, yes, this person has glaucoma, has glaucoma, they might not all need treatment. And so one of our theories is that there could be clues in the genetic code for the people who really do need treatment versus those who don't. And, and that's why we've now, you know, analyzed the blood samples from the UK GTS, the UK Glaucoma Treatment Study, to be able to uh, test that, that theory. Um, the other way around is, is even those people who did receive treatment, 15% of them got worse despite the Latanoprost treatment. Which suggests in them they might have needed more intensive treatment or a different treatment. Latanoprost might not have worked well in them, and so again we want to look at clues in the genetic code that mean when we first see a glaucoma patient, we can say, "Well, okay, you need some more intensive treatment, or, or actually, you need a different treatment option than latanoprost eye drops, for example." So it's quite exciting you know, that we're bringing in the, the genetics field of the research to, you know, such an important study like the UK glaucoma treatment study, and, and others that are, are equally important as well, we might talk about later. Treating
1: glaucoma within ophthalmology uh, as a field, is that a costly thing, you mentioned in your article about the cost and efficiency of precision medicine and the way in which actually using precision medicine and personalized medicine can support, uh be cost-effective in some ways. Is that an angle, an area that supports glaucoma treatment with precision medicine, that in in the end and over time and over development over the next few five to ten years, that it can be a cost-effective way? of looking at glaucoma compared to past practices Absolutely. and evidence-based.
0: I think you've hit one of the nail, you know, you, 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 you that, that's such an important aspect. So managing glaucoma and other eye, common eye diseases like age-related macular degeneration and cataract is a huge burden on the country. In fact, ophthalmology is the busiest outpatient specialty in the National Health Service there are more patients seen in ophthalmology outpatients than there are in even orthopedics and trauma which is number 2 so there's a huge amount of resources you know doctors time nurses time technicians time all of the equipment plus all of these people are receiving treatments which you know could be drugs or lasers or surgeries and 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 all of those have costs there's the cost element there but then there's also how safely can we manage so many patients? And when we've, you know, even pre the pandemic, our NHS was bursting at the seams in terms of there was so many patients with glaucoma. Uh, it's a condition that gets so much commoner as you get older and our population's getting older. So the numbers of people with glaucoma were huge. And and unfortunately, I mean, there was one high profile incident where it was a patient in Southampton She eventually went blind from her glaucoma while waiting for an appointment. And when this was investigated, they saw this isn't just something that's happening in Southampton, it was happening all around the country, that the patients who really need the treatment most aren't necessarily getting that timely treatment because the services are so stretched from managing people who are much lower risk. So the advantage is going to come that if from the very first point that I meet a patient, I can use their genetic code to work out what their risk is, such that if they're at high risk, then you know they're flagged up and we make sure they're not lost to follow up. We see them frequently and we treat them intensively. But equally important, it helps us more confidently decide who's at low risk, who we need to see less often, maybe avoid treatment in so that they don't get side effects and save a lot of costs. So it, it works both ends. So it's identifying those at high risk so we can really target our resources towards them, but also avoid using our resources on the low-risk people. And, and at the same time, that protects them from, you know, unneeded hospital visits and side effects from treatments that they might not need. Yeah.
1: it proves efficiency across the NHS as well, doesn't it? As you said, um, the pressure on the NHS is is huge, it always has been huge historically and there's never been a time I don't think winter or summer where that's not been the case for the last 20 years but quite obviously now during Covid and because of Covid the consequences are quite high with that so the need for efficiency is key I think the case you mentioned there with Southampton if I'm not wrong, I think I read about that was was as a consequence I think of cancelled appointments due to Covid I believe I think was the Uh, case uh, with uh, Southampton. the, the, The
0: one I'm thinking of was actually happened and occurred prior to Covid uh, now i wouldn't be surprised if there's there's a lot of similar stories following covid because i mean now you know it, it it's even more challenging in fact one thing covid taught us if, if if there were if there was anybody i doubt there were many people but if there's anyone who didn't think that better being able to assess someone's risk was important i i i think we all realise that because All of us, when the pandemic first happened, we had to somehow very quickly at scale go through all of our patients and decide who was able to be deferred and who needed to come in despite the risks of having to travel and come into the hospital and be seen in a clinic. So it's a no-brainer for everyone now. We realise how important risk stratification is and and using the genetic code to do that, a precision or personalised approach is is, is clearly going to work for some conditions and particularly genetic ones like glaucoma.
1: Touching on the genetic element for, for a second, you talked a little bit in your article at the beginning of the month that I refer to about the relation to history of of health within a family or the impact of diet and food particular mention of caffeine um, increasing pressure on uh, a greater chance of having glaucoma so from a genotyping perspective how valuable is, is precision medicine in being able to look at the diet and history of a person to to evidence that maybe from a family perspective, glaucoma could be something that's high for siblings, sons, granddaughters. And it, it, will that, in essence, create a more efficient and sustainable diagnosis system moving forward?
0: I f- feel there's a few questions in that so so I'm I'm going to talk about well one thing you mentioned very important thing you know knowing whether members of your family have glaucoma or not and how that might influence things and then secondly you brought in this diet and lifestyle thing so let me answer those those separately and then bring it all together so you you raise a really important point you sometimes you know you don't need to do fancy genetic testing to sometimes know that you're at high risk of glaucoma. Because if it runs in your family, that's telling you that, you know, your, the, your genetic makeup, which comes from your parents, you know, if, 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 if either of your parents have glaucoma, or your siblings do, or aunts, uncles, grandparents, and so on, that suggests that within your family, you've got these genetic variants that might increase the risk and that means actually in in England for example if you do have a first degree family relative with glaucoma so mother father brother sister then you can get a free NHS eye test uh, from the age of 40 whereas you have to be over 60 if you don't have that that so 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 already you know there's there's a way you can actually get your eyes checked and and so i think you know find out if you do have a family um, member with glaucoma and then you know do do get your eye tested if you do because if you do get tested and you get it picked up early rather than too late then it can be treated and and you can avoid ever having problems with your vision whereas if it's picked up too late because you can't repair that vision that's lost then it might well impact your quality of life now Unfortunately, just knowing a family history isn't good enough, and there's you know a lot of people who get glaucoma. Maybe even most of them don't necessarily have a family member that's affected, and that's because it's all to do with the random shuffling of the genes you get from your mother and father, with the variants in those genes you get, and so it's almost like you know the the hand you're dealt in a in a game of cards, and so. What we can do much better now is if we do know your genetic code, then we can make much better predictions than we can just on whether you have a family member that that's affected. And in a future world where genetic information is going to be available on, on everybody who, who uses healthcare services, then we're going to be able to use that to be able to target our screening to those people at high risk. Now, the next thing you've said, I, I think it's really important, you know, even putting genetics aside... Glaucoma patients frequently ask me about lifestyle, diet, things like that. They're saying, "Well, other than putting in these drops or these lasers or surgery that you want to do, you know, what can I do in my life that can reduce my glaucoma risk?" And you know, I I think studies to date have been relatively small, and we haven't really had very good evidence or or, or very good studies to to that, that, that we can share the results of with our patients to inform them regarding that. But recently, there have been much bigger studies like like the UK Biobank one, and we have been looking at which factors uh, in somebody's lifestyle they can alter to to potentially reduce their risk. But what's really interesting, bringing in the genetics now, is these factors seem to only influence glaucoma risk if you're genetically predisposed. So you mentioned caffeine. If you look across the whole population – it doesn't seem that the amount of caffeine you consume influences your glaucoma risk. But if you look about, look at caffeine intake just at people at high genetic risk, based on their genetic code, then it seems that consuming high amounts of caffeine put up the pressure in the eye, potentially, and also potentially increase the risk of glaucoma. So those that consume most caffeine that and were at high genetic risk had higher eye pressure and had a higher proportion of them suffering with known glaucoma. Um, Whereas if you look at people at low genetic risk, it didn't seem to make a difference. So so this means two things. It means in the future, I think the lifestyle advice we give our patients will be personalized as well, according to their genetic code. And, you know, I, I wouldn't, tell somebody at low genetic risk of glaucoma to alter their caffeine intake, for example. But the other thing, if you flip that round on its head, you think, if we are going to be using the genetic code to identify people at high risk of glaucoma before they've got the disease, just in the general population, I think if I was that person, if I was told, look, you don't have glaucoma now, but you're at high genetic risk, I'd want to know, well, okay, I'm not going to take treatments for it because I don't have it yet, but are there, is there anything i can do in my lifestyle that can alter that risk and and you know that that that's what we we have shown that um caffeine intake might be you know it's not there isn't a 100% proof because we haven't done what's called a randomized controlled trial but there's suggestive evidence that lower amounts of caffeine might help and also uh, we we presented this recently at a large meeting it's it's not out uh, in a journal as yet um, we've found similar findings for, for alcohol, where um, higher amounts of alcohol intake might might increase the risk as well, but mostly in people that, who are genetically predisposed.
1: You talked a little bit about the UK Biobank in relation to this, and obviously you you mentioned it in the, the recent article, um, the UK Biobank and, and the role of AI, which included looking at retinal photographs of patients. Artificial intelligence is something we've covered in, in quite detail throughout the PMF podcast, but also in, in some of our other work. And the growing role of artificial intelligence in radiography, um, in oncology, and in areas like that is, is huge um, and, and been scaled up uh, across Europe and North America. The role of AI um, for uh, ophthalmology and, and your work with it today, how do you see... The benefit of that, and, and playing a role with precision medicine, and and from your experience recently, I know there's has been a genome wide uh, study vertical cup disc ratio, which identified uh, genetic markers for glaucoma. Tell us a little bit more about your opinions on AI and how that plays a role in ophthalmology moving forwards. Certainly from a glaucoma perspective,
0: particularly for ophthalmology. Um... AI is going to be very important, and that's I think one of the real sort of mind-blowing strengths of AI is 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 how well it can analyse images, photographs, or, or, or other types of medical images. And given the eye is transparent, you know, we can take very detailed photographs or scans of the important structures in the eye. So, so for glaucoma, it's essentially measuring you know how healthy the the optic nerve is and and you mentioned this this number vertical cup disc ratio that's like a summary number which which tries to summarize how much optic nerve degeneration someone might 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 have had it's a bit more complex than that but that's that's the that's the simplistic interpretation now in, in in years gone by people would take photographs and then there would be human graders that would measure this number on the nerve and then that number would subsequently be used. And it turns out that AI can measure that number much better than humans—not just quicker or more easily, and you know, to do it on on thousands and thousands of, of of images, but actually better. So even if humans taking their time to do it, AI can do it better. And 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 that helped us. We did a big study looking at what. You know, genetically speaking, why why do some people have a larger or smaller vertical cup-disc ratio? You know, what might be a tendency towards optic nerve degeneration or not, and and you know, we we discovered a lot more about the genetic basis of that and of glaucoma through through doing that study. But in terms of screening, in the past, then rather than needing somebody who was an expert to be able to grade. Uh, you know, or interpret a photo of the back of the eye. You know, and, and not only can an AI do it quicker. Uh, you know, you don't need a waiting list. There's no backlog. It just does it immediately. It can do it better. And so, I in the future, I think there's no doubt that the way we're going to effectively pick up glaucoma in the general population before it's caused blindness. Uh, effectively, in a cost-effective way, it's going to be a combination of targeting those people at high genetic risk, but also using artificial intelligence to uh, automatically and more effectively look at the pictures, the images, the scans we take to decide whether that person needs to go on to see an eye doctor or not.
1: You're doing a lot of traveling uh, over the summer, and you, you've got a seems to be a busy schedule uh, involved in lots of different uh, areas and research. And what what have you got coming up over the next few years in relation to the role of precision medicine and any research projects you're involved in with it around the glaucoma? I know you've talked about the future being around personalised screening strategies. Are you are you going to be involving any work going forward around this?
0: Well, one study I'm really excited about. Is a UK-wide study called Our Future Health. They've just started now. I'm actually a, patient, uh, a participant. I, I had my examination and blood test taken yesterday. Uh, they've just started doing this. They're going to recruit 5 million adults in the UK. So to put that in perspective, that's over 10% of UK adults And they're going to do this genotyping, this measuring of the genetic code that that we've talked about, and they're going to follow us all up over time. And this this study is really going to pave the way for how, at scale, the health services in this country are going to use the genetic code, be able to prevent disease, prevent illness, personalise care moving forwards um i hope glaucoma is going to be front and center for this because i think it's naturally speaking it should be one of the diseases that's that's mo- most benefits by this one because it's so genetic two because picking it up early is so difficult and challenging currently and and, and three because it, uh, we know that early treatment does does prevent blindness um so so, so that's one of the things I'm most excited about. The other thing I touched on earlier, and that is now we're getting genetic data on, on some of our biggest and important um, clinical trials in glaucoma. So we can start to look at whether knowing the genetic code can help predict, out of all our glaucoma patients, those few that are going to really at high risk of getting worse. So we need to get on and treat them quicker, and more intensively sooner to prevent blindness, but also help us identify the low-risk ones, so uh, we can save resources and also prevent unnecessary side effects. So, so I think both of those—the population level and detection—but then also better managing it within the hospital. Those aspects are most excited about.
1: Yeah, which has to be key given the the, the current landscape of healthcare in the UK and uh, the backlog. I suppose, um, is a, is a key thing to remember. Dot Auntie, uh, Kradja, thank you very much for your time today. It's been a real pleasure to find out more about the work around glaucoma and ophthalmology and your uh, work on precision medicine from our perspective at Precision Medicine Forum. It's enlightening to hear about the the fields, whether disease, infection, um, healthcare fields where where precision medicine is being utilised and where it's being researched and it's real, one of a better pun, an eye-opener to to understanding more about it in different fields so I appreciate giving us uh, the time today to join us on this podcast
0: thanks very much for your interest thank you that was precision medicine forum podcast visit precisionmedicineforum.com to get all the show resources and find out about our upcoming episodes and events and please subscribe or follow on your podcast app so you never miss an episode